Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging. Maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. I like what Pastor Mooney used to say. We're going to take a look at some of God's thoughts from God's book. And uh, so we're going to do that tonight. And uh, we are continuing in the series, the December series that Pastor Carson kicked off last week of big box gifts. And I noticed that they took the big boxes and they moved them back a little bit uh, more. Maybe it was because there was too much of a temptation to use those boxes as a fort. (laughs) How many kids maybe would look at those boxes and say, I don't care what's inside. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a fort out of those big boxes, right? I would have been the first kid to do that. So, well, uh, we are going to open our Bibles, if you will, back to where we started uh, with, uh, with our series last week, the book of James. If you have your Bibles, turn in. I like hearing the pages turn. Uh, I love... Um, the way that it feels to hold God's word. Man, what a precious gift God's word is to us. James chapter one, verse 17. If you have it, say amen. If you're looking at the screen, say amen. (laughs) All right, let's read. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Tonight, we're going to be speaking about a couple of gifts, two gifts in particular, that are so, so valuable to us. We're going to be speaking about the gift of life and the gift of family, the gift of life in the gift of family. If you wouldn't mind, put your Bibles down, lift your hands. Let's pray together that the Lord would help us in this time together. Jesus, Lord, we love you so much. We're so thankful, God, for your word. And we're thankful, Jesus, that we can gather together, that we have the freedom and the ability to come into this place, Lord Jesus, and just take a look at what you would have for our lives. And in this season, God, where we're talking a lot about gifts and we're thinking a lot about gifts, Jesus, we don't want to forget the good and the perfect gifts that you have given to us. And tonight, as we look at the gifts of life and the gifts of family, God, we want to take that and we want to plant it in our hearts, Jesus. We want it to have root in our lives, Jesus, so that then our lives can bear fruit for your kingdom. We give you praise and glory, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Well, You know, we could look at some of these big boxes and wonder perhaps what might be in some of those big boxes. And has anyone ever gotten a a gift uh, that maybe initially (laughs) you were like, this this seems like it could be a really great gift. Like you open the box, you see the packaging, you're thinking, wow, this is going to change my life. And then you actually use it. And it's not quite so life-changing. Or, or maybe it, uh, it doesn't live up to the promise. Um, 
we pulled a few of these gifts, and, and I can tell you, I may or may not have ever received any of the gifts that we're going to talk about here uh, momentarily. Um, these gifts, um, there's the, the, uh, the pictures on Amazon. Let's go to that if we can real quick. We'll go back to that slide. Um, so here, let, let's take a look at this. Uh, a handheld uh, chip bag sealer. Because we all just absolutely love the, the process of tearing open a bag of chips and watching them pop all over the, <laughs> the kitchen. <laughs> and so we want to do that over and over again. After you've already eaten chips, let's reseal the bag and experience that wonderful joy of ripping open a bag of chips again. That is something that I can tell you by experience is not so great of a gift. Uh, it doesn't work real well. Let's go to the next one if we can. Ah, uh, what do you say about that? The neck magic air cushion. I guess it's supposed to uh, provide you some relief from the effects of gravity on your spine and on your neck. To me, that looks like something that if I received that gift, uh, it would make me maybe want to sleep with one eye open. Because, you know, the whole inflatable tube around the neck thing, I just don't see that as being... <laughs> A real great gift. Let's go on to the next one. We'll, we'll move on quickly. Okay, my secret hair enhancer. It's not a secret. If you use this, it's not a secret. I mean, you know, you, you, you take the can of, of hairspray paint, if that's what you want to call it. Just great thought, but not very good application. Next one. Let's, let's take a look. It's maybe one more, I think. Oh, no. Let's not even talk about this one. Butter is soft already, so we have to have this mechanical device that will cut butter. Uh, next one. Okay, now, I really, truly do have experience with this. And my parents are traveling. They're not here to defend themselves, so I'll go ahead and tell, them, uh, tell on them. That, that They saw me peeling a potato once, and of course, you know, we have a rather large family. I was peeling a lot of potatoes, and my dad thought it would be a great idea to get these gloves that we can take the potato and kind of do like this on the potato, and it peels it in about eight seconds. The problem is you spend the next 30 minutes picking potato pieces out of this, you know, these gloves, and it's, it's just rather a mess. So this is, this is not a very good gift. It was great in its intention, but in practicality and in reality, it, it really didn't turn out too good. So let's go back to that slide where we're going to talk about the goal uh, of tonight. Tonight, our goal is to demonstrate that God's big box gifts of life and family are always good, and that God's purpose is always to bring redemption, victory, and joy. And to properly understand uh, the big box gifts of life and family tonight, I want us to go back to the book of Genesis, back to the beginning, back to where God created and began life and family. I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation before we really get into the two gifts. In the Garden of Eden, it's, it's there that we see that, uh, that God created his work uh, in, in a state of perfection. He created everything, and everything was good. He created everything. In six days, God created everything. On the sixth day, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 tells us that this is where he created life and family. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28 says, So God created man 
in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And then in Genesis chapter one, verse 31, he says, everything he had made was very good. I love how he says, good, good, good. And then he culminates it and everything is very good. Genesis 1:31, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. The evening and the morning were the first day. And when we really look at Genesis chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, God gives us this, this plan, this prescription and this purpose for humanity. And, and this is a template that's played out time and time again over the course of human history, where we see Genesis chapter one that it introduces this plan in God's creation. He created everything to be good. That was his plan. And then in Genesis chapter two, he kind of unpacks the goodness of the gifts that he had provided. And he provides this prescription for a good design. And then in Genesis chapter three, uh, it reveals the purpose in God's redemptive nature, because you see mankind sinned uh, and uh, they broke the good gifts that God had given to them. Uh, but it's here where he sets out the plan of redemption to broke what uh, to repair what sin had broken. God's plan in creation, his prescription for application of the plan and purpose for redemption for life and family is to know him, to be like him and to have victory over sin. So it's right here from the beginning that we see God created everything to be good. And even if uh, humanity messes it up. It was pretty quickly in uh, the book of Genesis that we see death, that we see family turmoil. Uh, you've got one brother killing another brother. Uh, it doesn't take very long for us to get to a place where humanity has just completely messed up all of the good gifts that God had given them. And he has to destroy the world by flood and start all over with, with Noah and his family. Uh, and so it's always been God's plan. I want to get this point across here tonight that it's always been God's plan to redeem mankind, to give the gifts. And he knew from the beginning that we would mess it up. But it was his plan and purpose to redeem and to save and to restore what was broken by humanity. So let's take one more look here at James chapter one, verse 17. As I was studying for tonight, uh, I went to the Apostolic Study Bible, and the commentary there I thought was really uh, interesting. It said, these good things are freely given gifts, not rewards for good deeds. God's gifts are good, or in Greek, agathe, intrinsically good and perfect. And then in Greek, again, teleon, complete, mature, lacking nothing. The words cometh down are translated from a Greek word referring to something continually coming down. That is, God uh, doesn't give his good gifts sparingly or sporadically, but he gives them freely and continually. I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11 on the mount when he said, Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts 
unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask. And so tonight, in the next few minutes, we're going to move forward on this logic. Everything God created is good. God created life and family. Therefore, life and family are good. So let's take a look at the gift of life. Life is God-breathed. We see, again, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, um, where we see a little bit more detail about how God formed man. He said, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. It's here where we see this phrase that's used that to, to describe that man's life originated in a different way than his body. The body is one thing. Our life is something else. It was being that our life was directly implanted by God and by the breath of God. That very breath that used uh, the, the that spoke the world into existence, the breath that propelled the word from God's mouth to create everything that we know. That breath was implanted into humanity, and that is what created the life. It wasn't the dust. It, it wasn't the body itself, but it was the breath of God that created that life. And so, you know, we're, we're more than just a clump of cells. We're, we are not uh, an evolutionary being from, uh, from some prehistoric uh, creature that you know, slowly gained intelligence over time and, and somehow became who we are today. No, we are created by the word of God. We're formed in the image of God and we are living by the grace of God. I am so thankful that God breathed life into humanity and that we get to experience that life today. All right, moving on. Life is sacred. I'm going I'm to slow down here and talk about this a bit because we live in a society that, that does not uh, see that life is sacred. Uh, Psalms chapter 139, verses 13 through 16, familiar portion of scripture. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Listen, since, since God recognizes life uh, and, and, and he writes of the unformed members of a human being in the womb, he has declared life to be sacred. If God cares so much about the unformed members of a little baby, how much more should we care and should we hold life sacred? And I'm gonna say it right here that uh, the right to life definitely trumps the right to choose. We, we hold to that belief. We, we hold to the belief that, that life is sacred. 
and, and, and we're making some great progress. There are some really great things that are uh, happening and, and we're making some headway in this fight for life when it comes to unborn children in this country. But I want to bring your attention to another front on the fight for life that maybe you're not so familiar with. Uh, but in my research and in my looking uh, for just the value and the sanctity of life, um, come across this uh, just it's mind boggling um, that we have the, uh, the, the practice um, of taking life when someone is maybe elderly or maybe they have a terminal condition. Um, and this is not happening in some far flung uh, country or some place way across uh, the ocean, but right in Canada, euthanasia has become part of their law. Um, it's called medical assistance in dying or made. Uh, the Canadian Medical Association Journal published on April 2nd of 2023 um, a, an article entitled What the Status of Medical Assistance in Dying uh, is in Canada. And here's some sobering facts um, about MAID. There have been 31,000 deaths on the medical assistance in dying since 2016. The average age is 76 years old. And in Quebec, that province, 5% of all deaths come from medically assisted death. I'm telling you, folks, this sounds a lot to me like the thief that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Does it to you? Sounds a lot like that to me. But I'm so thankful that we have a Lord and Savior that has come to give us life and to give it more abundantly. I'm so thankful that we have a Savior that has made sure that we know that life is sacred and that we should, we should value it and that we should fight for it. So life is so sacred. Life is valuable. There's value to life. Let's go back to Genesis again, chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. I'm going to emphasize a little bit of a different portion of this scripture for seeing how life is valuable. It says, so God created. God created. Who created? God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, a male and female created he them. And then Genesis chapter two, verse seven again. And the Lord God formed who formed the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. You see the value of great and priceless works of art isn't derived from the components used in its creation, but rather is determined by the identity of the one whose hands formed the masterpiece. It's who created the masterpiece that matters. Uh, uh, the Mona Lisa. Um, I think we have a picture of the Mona Lisa. Okay, pick people taking their pictures in front of the Mona Lisa. It's, it's a priceless work of art. And I'm not a connoisseur of art, so I don't quite understand why it's so amazing. Uh, a lady looking at us. Um, but it's valuable because Leonardo da Vinci painted it. Now, Brother Treno, if you had painted that painting, I'm pretty certain it wouldn't be hanging in the Louvre in Paris. 
I'm pretty, pretty certain about that, sir. Right? But it's because who painted it that it brings it value. Now, on a completely different side of the equation, my child's art, to me, is completely priceless. Completely priceless. When I get art from my children, oh boy, is that worth a lot to me. All right? And here we go. The application to this is life is valuable because God himself created life. He is the master artist for all of life. And if life was so valuable that he purchased us with the precious currency of his own blood, we should place the highest value on life in every form. Our physical life, our home life, our family life, our work life, social life, spiritual life. Life is valuable. Life is so valuable. Life is also full of purpose. I'm going to go through some of the purposes of what uh, we have here in life. Uh, one purpose is so that we can know him. He created us so that we can know him. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and 28 through 28. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he's Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temple made with hands, neither is worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing that he giveth what? Giveth to all life and breath and all things and hath made of one blood all nations of men. Skip to uh, verse 27. That they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. God wants to know his creation. And we have that purpose in our lives that we can know him. Philippians chapter three, verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We also have this purpose to be a temple of his spirit on earth. First Corinthians chapter six, Verse 19 says, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and that ye are not your own. God chose to take residence in our heart. He chose to uh, empower us with the Holy Spirit. Why? He says it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why? To be witnesses unto me. We have this purpose. That we are to be the temple of the Lord. That his spirit is to live inside of us. And then so that we can serve him. That's our greatest purpose in this life is to serve the Lord. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 23 says, but you are bought with a price. Be not the servants of men. We can be the servants of God because we are bought with a price. We are bought with a price. Life is eternal. Life is eternal. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. Um, yes, life's temporal. It's like a vapor. We see that in God's word. That's this, this mortal life. But as we know, our life is not connected to our body. God breathed our life into this flesh. And so 
The life that we have and currently inhabiting flesh, once this flesh passes away, our life continues and we are going to live in eternity somewhere. God wants to give us life everlasting, eternal life. That's his plan. The plan of the enemy, death, everlasting death, continual death. John chapter three, verse 15 and 16, Jesus says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's jump to Acts chapter 13, verse number 48. When the Gentiles heard, when they heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, Believed. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. That's really what we deserve. That's, that's the, uh, the payment that we deserve for our deeds is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's design for life is to be spent in eternity with him. How many are thankful that we've got that, that promise, that we've got that gift, that we know that we can spend eternity with the Savior, living with him forever and ever? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay, we're going to turn our attention now to the gift of family. The gift of family. Now, uh, I, I want to put out a, um, it's not a challenge, it's just Something that I'd like to ask. I'm going to ask myself, and my wife's going to listen to me as well. And I'd like to maybe see if, if you'll join us in this. Have, have you ever given someone a gift and you were really excited to give it to them? And maybe, probably children do this more, I would say, than adults. But, oh, they're really going to love this gift. And they tear open the paper, paper's flying everywhere, they're so excited. Open up the gift. Wow, this is the greatest gift ever. This is just what I always wanted. Set it aside. Go to the next gift. <laughs> and that gift, like, they don't even look at it. It's like, well, wait, 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 wait. Oh, time out. Look, I, I was excited to give you this one. Okay, the gift of family is just like that. It's so easy for us to receive that gift from the Lord and then not take time to really enjoy that gift. It's a busy season. I get that. We're all rushing around and trying to accomplish a lot in a short amount of time. But please, please take some time with your family. Take some time to enjoy this beautiful gift that God has given. Take some time. Genesis chapter one, uh, we saw uh, that the uh, instruction is given to physically multiply and also to harness nature because family is the foundation of of society. Family is the foundation of society. Uh, in commenting on this portion of scripture, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says this. It says, the intent here is to present the first pair in their relationship to God and to the rest of the created order. It teaches that with regard to God, the first humans were created male and female in God's image with his specific mandate to populate and rule over the earth. Uh, 
I'm just going to stop here and say this is one reason amongst many that we hold to the truth that marriage is defined as the God-sanctioned voluntary covenant between one man and one woman for life. We, we're, that, that is the truth of God's word, and we hold and cling fast to that because that's the purpose. And the whole, all of, of society is built upon the family. Marriage is the foundation of a family, and family is the foundation of society. Um, We see in in the natural, we see a man and a woman who commit themselves to one another for life. They say, till death do us part. Um, And they leave the bonds, the previous bonds of of their families that they have, and they, they cleave to one another in the newly formed marriage. Likewise, in the spiritual God does that same thing. He has wed the church to be his one and only, redeeming us with his precious blood and cleaving to that eternal relationship with his bride. We are the foundation of everything that we know. The church is the foundation of everything. The family of God. Family is an inheritance. An inheritance. Um. We're all uh, heirs or recipients of our respective family traits, I would say. Um, You know, you have physical traits. Uh, Some families are just tall. I don't know if anyone's ever met brother and sister Tiller. (laughs) I mean, if you're a Tiller, you're tall, right? Um, Environmental characteristics. How many here like to hunt? I'm putting my hand down. Okay, I see brother Staten back there. See a lot of hands up hunting. How many were were taught to hunt because your dad hunted? How, how many like to hunt because your dad? I see Brother Staten again, Brother Brother Goddard. Yeah, right. These are inherited traits uh, because you're part of the family. And, and let me just pause here to say that um, if there are things in your family that uh, that were are not good, you don't have to inherit those traits. Um, if I could unpack the story of my own father and, and if we could share his testimony and he has in bits and pieces and hope someday that we're able to, to share that more in its entirety. Uh, who he is today is not who he was raised to be. Uh, but thank God, his dad, my grandfather, did uh, receive the Holy Ghost, got baptized in that baptist- baptistry right up there. God did a great work in his life. But you know what? My dad received Uh, the inheritance of the family of God. And in that, in that, uh, that great inheritance was able then to turn that around and work with his father, his father here on earth, my grandfather. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great that God does that for us? He gives us that. Since we have been born into the family of God, we now take on the characteristics of our heavenly father. Galatians chapter four Verses four through seven says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I'm so thankful that I am an heir of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Family is an inheritance 
The family of God is that inheritance. And I'm so thankful, so thankful for that. When we've received the Holy Ghost, we have been born again into the family of God. God's spirit in us is the down payment of that eternal inheritance. Family is meant to grow. Humanity began with one person, Adam. And it experienced exponential growth. We've been growing here at Calvary, right? This family has been growing considerably, and I thank God for that. When you talk about exponential growth, uh, it went from Adam to Eve, and, and, it, and just it kept multiplying and expanding and growing. Uh, Adam was created as the only human being, and in creation there were, there were six things that God said was good and one thing that was very good. But the first thing that God recognized as being not good was man being alone. Genesis chapter two, verse 18 says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And we even see in Genesis chapter two, uh, verse 20, that Adam named all the animals uh, and he had uh, all of creation at his pleasure, yet he was still lonely. So God created a help meet for him, a helper, someone who could be his counterpart. And God's plan was always to grow the family. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 says, And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. multiply. And Scripture doesn't really reveal uh, truly how many children Adam and Eve had. But there is a footnote in the works of Josephus that says this. The number of Adam's children, as says the old tradition, was 33 sons and 23 daughters. Given their longevity, these appeared to be reasonable figures. Thus, it could reasonably be said that Adam and Eve had faithfully obeyed God's first commission to be fruitful and multiply. Now, I'm a fan of having a lot of kids. We have seven of them, if you don't know that. I'm a fan of that. And married couples should strive to raise up a family. Now, I want to be sensitive that there are those couples who may be struggling uh, to have children. We certainly understand that. And, it, and it's not always God's plan for a marriage to produce physical offspring. However, uh, multiplication and fruitfulness in the family is not just limited to natural physical birth or even adoption, but we're a part of the family of God. What can you do to be fruitful to the family of God, to multiply the family of God? At the end of the day, we are all commissioned to go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost. And we know that name is, amen, praise God, praise God. Well, I'm drawing to a close here tonight. We've only got a few minutes left. If you'll stand with me. I spent the last 25, 35 minutes or so um, showing us in God's word that the big box gifts of life and family are indeed good and perfect. And while I do want to be sensitive to the fact that maybe there are some in this room tonight who maybe your particular life situation right now, you may not say is good, or maybe your family uh, circumstances perhaps doesn't feel good or doesn't seem good. And, and I certainly understand that. And uh, there have been times in life where things have felt good and things have felt bad. That's just called life here on earth. But we have to recognize that 
Any degradation in these good gifts of life and family is not God's, God's fault. It's the sinful nature of man and the fall of humanity that happened in the garden as we read in Genesis chapter 3. God's gift is a result of the sinful nature of man, and he wants to redeem it. Life and family as God designed it is good. And through the power of his spirit, we can reflect that design in our lives here on earth. We'll wrap up with Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And when he works all things together for good, It'll be a testament to his grace, to his mercy, and to his goodness in his big box gifts of life and family.